Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Just asking open-ended questions of people changes their job in one way because in every employee, there is the just tell me what to do person. And when you start asking open-ended questions, 90% of the time, it breaks that. It deconstructs that. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. We discussed the Zen story of the monk two episodes back, which demonstrates the way your actions elicit the behavior of the people around you and the way you experience life itself. So if you just play the role of a supervisor as opposed to the manager and tell people what to do, they're going to just do what you say. Maybe. But is that really who you want working for you? Is that really how you want to behave yourself? Great managers crave people who take ownership over their job. And most people also crave that kind of agency, that empowerment in their lives and in their work. When you ask great questions, you make people think. When you make people think, they become more responsible. When they become more responsible, they do a better job. Alternatively, the supervisor path is when you tell people what to do, they become order takers and think less. When they think less, they become less responsible. When they become less responsible, they do a worse job. This is the difference between managing and supervising. Which do you want to do? I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on the show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. All right, let's talk about uh, questions, the art of asking them. So first of all, speaking of manager and supervisor, that distinction again, supervisors tell. Supervisors tell people what to do. And the really funny thing about that is how willing employees are to be told what to do. And that's a really important thing to get because there's a sort of uh, supervisor-employee codependence there where employees who, like any human being, want to exert the minimal effort to get the result, you know, do their job okay, keep their job, etc. Well, they're totally fine with the supervisor telling them what to do because then they just do it. And if it was wrong, well, it's the supervisor's fault, isn't it? Right? They're totally off the hook. It's, it's the best way to navigate sort of a, a sort of low-level responsibility. Boss, I did what you told me and it blew up. Sorry about your luck. You know, There's no responsibility there. And of course, the supervisor wants control. Right? They would do it themselves because, of course, they could do it better. Right? But they're busy doing a bunch of other things. So they just want to tell you what to do and then have you do it. So the problem with that is it's completely unscalable. 
undermines the authority of human beings, treats them like children, and causes authority projections. And probably a bunch of other stuff that I didn't even think of in that moment. (laughs) It causes all of that. When you treat people like children and tell them what to do, they will act like children. That's back to that Zen story. You elicit childlike behavior, childish behavior even, if you just bark orders at people and just expect them to do it. Besides, it just ties them too much to you and then they've got to come back and ask you to do the next thing and then, oh, a variation of that thing came up. Tell me what to do again. You know, It's problematic. What you want as a manager is someone who owns their job. Someone who owns their job so deeply that it's like they run it like their own business inside your business or inside your department. That's what you want. And believe it or not, that's what they want to. They want to be able to impact their environment, influence how they do things. That's what employees want. All the research says it again and again and again, even though they won't ask for it. Why? Because it's easier just to be told what to do and be supervised. Okay? So one of the ways to deal with this is to stop answering questions. When an employee asks you a question, don't answer it. Instead, you ask an open-ended question back to them that leads them to the answer that you would have given them. This is one of the most basic and simple things you can do. Now, basic and simple doesn't necessarily mean easy. This is a skill that takes practice. So that leads us to uh, one very important distinction that I think most of you know, but for the record, open-ended question versus closed-ended question. A closed-ended question can be answered with a yes or a no. An open-ended question cannot be answered with a yes or a no. Useful to know the difference. Generally speaking, open-ended questions are better for this kind of thing. There are cases where closed-ended questions are useful. For example, when you're trying to corner someone into making a choice or making a commitment because they're being squibbly. Did you or did you not see Mr. Johnson on the evening of February 28th? That's a closed-ended question that a lawyer will specifically ask to read into the record a yes or a no. And, you know, when people don't want to commit one way or another. So whichever you're using, be clear about why you're using it. But for the most part, you want to ask open-ended questions because they make people think. They elicit the thinking process. So the boss uh, employee comes to you and says, boss, we got this customer. They're all upset because they got an orange set of what widgets instead of a blue set. What do we do? And then that's that moment where the supervisor goes, oh, I can get this employee out of my office and producing results in 10 seconds because I know this like the back of my hand. Okay, you're going to do this. 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 And then the employee leaves. Thanks, boss. What just happened? On the outside, you've been supportive. You've helped them out on a jam. They're able to rely on you. And they're happy, right? Good job, supervisor. Right? In content, all that's true. In context, you just train them to not think for themselves, to rely on you anytime something out of the ordinary happens. 
and that your job is to make them feel good and give them answers rather than think for themselves, grow up, take more responsibility, think on their feet, etc. A manager in that moment says, hmm, training opportunity. I could give them the answer in 10 seconds or I could take three minutes and evolve this person and make them more valuable to themselves, the world, and this company. It will take longer. It's an investment. That's the presence of mind you need to be able to do it. So then you can start with a question like, well, what would you do if I wasn't here? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. Okay. But what really, what what are your ideas? Have a seat. What are your ideas about what, what you should do? And then they'll tell you. And then you could say things like, well, what do you think the impact would be of that thing? And this other thing, what other ideas do you have about what you could do? How do you think the customer feels right now? If you were them, what would you want to happen? And you may have in the back of your mind what the answers are. And you may be leading them through questions to what you want them to say. But what you often find is they'll surprise you and tell you things that you didn't even know were possible. That's the really cool thing about asking questions. Because you create this space of I don't know that they can contribute into. And that's actually what they want. Isn't that cool? Even though they might say they don't. Or they might bristle at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when people are challenged with a question that they don't know or uh, an, an issue that's confusing for them, very often the first thing they'll say is, I don't know. Don't accept the first or second, maybe even third, I don't know. You just sit there. What do you think we should do? I don't know. Okay. That's a great place to start. Don't rescue them or yourself from the discomfort of the I don't know. I don't know is a beautiful, wonderful place that was completely exercised out of us in school because you get called on in, you know, in your algebra class and you say, I don't know. You've now been humiliated, right? I don't know is bad in school. But in life, I don't know is amazing. Means you don't have any, you might not have any preconceived notions that would get in the way of a good solution. Yeah. Yeah, very well said. Sometimes the I don't know is exactly what's necessary on the way to the no. Not knowing is, is like a verb. It's sometimes not knowing is what needs to happen. Sometimes an employee is going to come into your office and say, Hey, we got this problem. This customer is all angry, and here's what I think we should do. And, and, and exactly what you need to do is say, Hold on, slow down for a second. Have a seat. Let's not know about this for a second. Let's just not know. What if anything were possible here? What if we really don't know what's upsetting the customer? How could we find out? What could we could ask them? We could ask the customer what they want to happen. Hey, that's a great idea. Let's go to the customer hat in hand and say, how do we fix this? What would you like? And that might have never come out of 
the knowing of it. So open-ended questions and the process of learning through them is a very, very old idea. In Western culture, it goes as far back as Socrates. And uh, in Eastern culture, further back than that. And so I'm a big fan of the Socratic method and eliciting. And so- Socrates, you know, he, he kind of took it crazy far. He, he, I mean, this is how far Socrates took it. He, he would, the assumption was that all information in the universe already existed within people. And he would demonstrate that by asking questions and showing that even there's this one, I forget, I think it was called the Mino, the, the platonic dialogue. I think it was called the Mino, where some slave boy who was like 12 years old, he, dem- he, he, he got the kid to be able to do like a geometry problem by asking questions. And, uh, and that was proof of like, look, see, all I did was ask questions, but they, they, were, very, they were leading questions. So that's how far they took it. They, they thought that, that you could elicit tremendous amounts of information that people didn't actually know just by asking questions. And while I don't think it's true that all information in the universe is in any particular human being that is just waiting to be elicited, that's kind of an absolute idea. A tremendous amount of knowledge and awareness and skill is waiting to be unlocked in people. And that's the power of it. In the most simplest way, in the most powerful way I know, just asking open-ended questions of people makes them think. First, you just create, it changes their job in one way because the context of their job becomes thinking critically for themselves, working on stuff. Because in every employee, there is the just tell me what to do person who just wants to follow orders. And when you start asking open-ended questions, 90% 90% of the time, it breaks that. It deconstructs that. And then a bigger version of them shows up. And you don't know who or what that's going to be. It's, it's similar to what uh, getting people out of chronic overwhelm does. The chronic overwhelm makes people dumb the same way stuck, being stuck in an order-taking mentality does. It's a, it's a very similar dynamic. So, and you can start this from the very beginning in, ideally you do this in the interview. You know, you ask hard, open-ended questions in interviews. What most people do in, in hiring interviews is they sell the job and do a whole lot of telling. This job requires someone who's really dedicated and hardworking and super responsible. Is that you? Yeah, good one. Instead, you want to ask them open-ended question after open-ended question that pushes them to the edge of their know, the edge of their knowledge, edge of their comfort. And when you start to see tears in their eyes, then you're getting somewhere. That should be one of the hardest interactions you have with the employee, possibly in their entire career there. Unapologetically, because you want to see what they do when they're pushed up against the wall of their own unknowing. Do they open up and get curious or do they ratchet down and get defensive? Are they bewildered, confused, but engaged? Or are they so uncomfortable they start talking about how maybe we're not, I'm not a good fit for working here? You can find that out in the interview. Wouldn't you rather find that out 
in the interview than six months into their having a job for you? You can do that. You just have to be willing to be perceived not well in the interview. But you can just tell them. When I used to hire coaches at, at Emeth, when we still had employees there, I used to say, the beginning of the interview, I would say, look, I know this is an interview and you know I'm going to ask you questions and you feel like you're supposed to put your best foot forward and look really good and convince me how great a person you are. But that's not going to work here. What's going to impress me is your ability to articulately talk about your shadow, your weaknesses. And don't tell me it's because you work too hard or you're perfectionistic. I mean, really your weaknesses, what you're working on, what troubles you, what what you don't like about yourself that you wish you could change, what you're afraid of, you won't be able to do well in this job if you get it. That's what you're going to tell me about. And if you can't be anything less than raw, vulnerable, and honest, you're not going to get this job. So are you game? That was how they, that was the first 90 seconds in the interview. And if we did the job well, they would be able to do that. But one in 10, one in eight couldn't. But the way you write the job ad and the way you do the phone screening and all that stuff can make sure that you've got people who can actually handle that. Realness. And then once, you're, once you've gotten through that, well, then you can be a really supportive, nice person because you know they're working on themselves and you don't have to supervise them doing it. You see, if you don't do that, then you're going to forever have to supervise following them around, making sure that they actually care about working on themselves and becoming a better person when actually they didn't have a real interest in that at all. Sort of like uh, what they call a negotiation being upside down. Any questions so far? Is it important to have a uh, textbook definition of the Socratic method or is that really... Uh, Teaching via asking open-ended questions. Okay. How's that? Okay. It is a skill. And if you're not used to doing it, you're going to do it badly for a while. And that's where most people get hung up because you may be a brilliant teller and a crappy question asker. But here's the thing. If you're a crappy question asker, it doesn't matter. Like at all. Because if you ask a crappy question that doesn't go anywhere, you just ask another one. <laughs> you're the boss, right? As if, if you're in a boss situation, they're not going to be like, Oh, sorry, time's up. <laughs> you only got one question. No, no, they're still in your office. Okay, your question didn't go anywhere. Ask another one. Ask another one. Ask another one. So like, you know, I've been coaching 16 years now. And I can get to places in minutes that used to take me months. For years, I look back and I go, oh my God, I can't believe how long a path I would take. Trying to ask, well, what about this? And do you think that? And it's, it's the art of asking a question is getting as straight a line as possible to where you want them to get to without telling. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, 
and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.